Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge, and I invite you to come cruising the Caribbean. I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For Travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. It has been about five years since I last spoke on this podcast about cruising and the Caribbean. So I thought it was about time to revisit the Caribbean refresh the podcast and update it all. So I'm going to do a series of two podcasts. This is the first one where we're going to look a little bit more generally at what you should expect when cruising the Caribbean. And the podcast that will follow this will be some key tips for cruising the Caribbean and being an expert at doing just that. And in the follow-up podcast, six major tips for ensuring that you cruise the Caribbean like an absolute expert. Now, the Caribbean is a really important area for cruising and still something like about 60% of all cruises globally still take place in the Caribbean. So let's have a look at why this is so and why you should actually consider cruising the Caribbean if you haven't cruised it before or, like me, go back and cruise the Caribbean. Just as an aside, the next most popular destination for cruising after the Caribbean is the Alaska And it is still, though, amazing when you think about it, that the Caribbean still dominates the world of cruising. It it really is quite staggering. I think it probably reflects a couple of things. Partly the history of cruising, because cruising itself really grew and developed in the whole Caribbean area, driven by companies like Carnival and Royal Caribbean, which operate out of Miami. They really kind of created modern cruising as, as it exists. So, and, it, it, you know, the Caribbean is relatively close to the U.S., it's a massive big market, and so that's obviously why that whole area developed. Um, building of ships, as we know, is completely frantic at the moment, but still the Caribbean is really the heart of the Mediterranean. Yeah, in Europe, obviously, is is very big and very popular, but it's, it's all about the Caribbean, and there's a couple of reasons for this. So the main features of this Caribbean cruise industry is the Caribbean cruise industry, or cruise season, should I say, runs from roughly after the hurricane season from around September until March each year. That's really, you know, when when the Caribbean cruising is is, is sort of at its peak. And it's also when many ships are redeployed from either Alaska or from Europe, and they come and basically, you know, ply the Caribbean, um, operating a lot out of Miami, but not exclusively. And I'll talk a bit more about that. So a lot of ships are moved to the Caribbean versus those that are doing it all the time. Now, most of the Caribbean cruises are, and have always pretty much been seven-day trips out of Florida. This is, uh, they alternate between a Western Caribbean trip and an Eastern Caribbean trip. And so, it suits particularly the, the U.S. vacation patterns. You know, most people in the States tend to have and take short holidays, so a seven-day pattern suits them. And, of course, those who want uh, two weeks can just do a back-to-back West 
at least Caribbean. Now, the seven-day cruises have a fairly set agenda. They tend to have one sea day to basically get you to the Caribbean. It visits five islands and then one sea day back to port. So it's, it's pretty you know, set in, in that formula if you go on that particular cruise. But because the Caribbean is so popular, because cruising is so popular... Uh, not only are we seeing more U.S. ports offering Caribbean trips, so you can even go from New York or wherever, but also increasingly European cruise lines like Cunard, P&O, Costa, they're sending their ships during the European winter, or in the case of Cunard, in the period running up to the new year when they when it's too rough, for example, to use the Queen Mary 2 or have their ships crossing the Atlantic, um, but before it goes on their big three-month world cruises from January to March. So they deploy kind of ships in, into the area. And this also means that they often don't depart and land back, uh, land is the wrong word, uh, dock back at uh, in the U.S. They often start in a Caribbean island and end in a Caribbean island, you know, with people kind of flying out to join the ship in Barbados or wherever. So... Linked to that is at the start and end of the Caribbean season, many cruise lines like Cunard, like P&O, which are, or Costa, which are based in Europe, they will include a Caribbean leg into a repositioning schedule. And the reason I'm mentioning this is, first of all, because my first Caribbean cruise was part of a repositioning cruise on the P&O ship Arcadia, which basically we flew out, joined the Arcadia in Barbados, went around the Caribbean and then sailed back to Europe because they were moving the ship back to um, Europe for, for the season. But what's interesting about the redeployment of ships, especially to and from Europe, is that's kind of September time or heading down to the Caribbean or sort of March time heading back, is cruise lines offer two-week trips. But what's important is a lot of people do not like repositioning cruises because you have that whole week at sea. So you tend to get amazing deals. So if you are looking for a particularly good deal and you've got two weeks and uh, you're quite a a lot of sea days, a repositioning cruise is really interesting because you get great cabins at great prices. Now let's talk a little bit about the impact of this massive cruise industry on the Caribbean. As I mentioned, my first Caribbean cruise was right back in 2007, and it coincided completely unrelatedly to the 200th anniversary of the abolition of slavery. So, you know, slavery was massive in the whole Caribbean area. And actually all the islands at that time we visited, Barbados, Grenada, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, and Antigua, was, you know, slavery was fundamental to the history of those islands. Because these beautiful islands, I mean, they're absolutely stunning, but they were really built on the back of slave labor. uh, Because it was all about sugar plantations. And it was a very brutal and a very terrible time. And, 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 and you know, it's important to understand the Caribbean. We think of it as a beautiful, idyllic place to go and visit. But it has a very brutal and very terrible history. You know, you have these beautiful islands, but you have a very unpleasant tale. And basically the tale is about the British and the French squabbling and fighting over control of the various islands. And the indigenous Carib Indians, who weren't that populous were basically driven out and in some cases on some of the islands were massacred to basically take control of the islands and grow sugar. So it's very brutal, very violent. And then basically what happened is slaves were shipped in from North Africa in horrific conditions, crossing the Atlantic. Many would perish on the trip. They were sold in markets and these markets were held in what are now very beautiful, picturesque, charming town squares. But when you visit them, it's important to remember this is kind of where slaves were, were, were sold um, they worked on these massive sugar plantations which covered the islands. Uh, and, of course, it was a very cruel way of life. Now, the sugar plantation owners 
which were basically from Europe, grew incredibly wealthy on this practice and on the sugar trade. But as the sugar trade declined, what it also did is it left the islands very underdeveloped because all the profits had been shipped out. It hadn't been invested in the place. It hadn't created alternative industry. And as the sugar industry died, you know, due to popularity of sugar, you know, people having less sugar, alternatives to sugar, more cost-effective crops like sugar beet that can be grown close to the markets. The only real industry the Caribbean has left is tourism. And so the cruise industry is really important to many of those islands. And the the relationship between the cruise industry and the islands is very, I guess, mixed. And there's, there's probably two camps um, on whether the cruise industry is good for the Caribbean or bad for the Caribbean. It probably reflects where your political leaning is. But I think it's important to understand as you cruise the Caribbean, think a little bit about the impact the industry is having. Because many would argue that the cruise industry gives some benefit to the Caribbean islands, but not as much. And let me tell you about why that is. So let's take the view against first. Now, on one side of the debate is, um, in fact, there's a, there's a book, a series of books by an author called Ross Klein. He's written books like Cruise Ship Blues and other books that talk about how the industry basically plays the islands off each other. So basically what they do is they'll either include a, an island on the itinerary or exclude it based on what sort of deals or or docking fees or facilities or whatever the island provides. So, you know, the islands basically end up perhaps getting a lot of visitors but not getting any direct benefit. Now, there's obviously a, a ripple effect um, with p- passengers coming off the ship and going on tours, but often what you'll find is many of the tours are linked to or, or run by the cruise industries themselves. So actually, a lot of local people are not necessarily getting the benefit of the revenues from all those tours. There's, um, you know, the, on when ships dock, they're not restocked by the islands because often the ships will stock up at their home port with what they need for, for the trip and they don't buy that much in the islands. So again, there's not that much benefit. And often what you'll find is, is in the malls, etc., that are port side, as many of those are kind of international groups. So there's one argument which says, you know, there's this massive cruise industry bringing a lot of people to the islands, but the islands are not necessarily getting as much benefit as they could do by perhaps tourists moving in. And, and in the tips side, I'll talk a little bit about what you can do about that. So that's one view against the kind of the negative view saying, look, there's this massive industry, but the islanders kind of aren't really benefiting as much as they could. The other view, of course, is is by the cruise industry itself, and there's a cruise body called CLIA, C-L-I-A. They have a very interesting site, which is very easy to remember, called cruising.org. And what the organization talks about is they do talk about how they're spending money assisting building infrastructure, how they're trying to make sure that you know passengers spend more money on shore and, and uh, industry and population gets more benefit. But I think it's very interesting to kind of think about the impact of what you're doing. So this is beyond the kind of environmental side. I'm not even getting into the environmental side of tourism and, and carbon emissions and pollution and so on and so forth. It's just a sense of thinking about, you know, as you go around the Caribbean, how much benefit are these islands uh, gaining from the cruise industry? And, and I, I suspect, you know, like many things, the answer is somewhere in the middle and, and both sides could probably uh, gain and benefit more. But... One of the things that does strike me when you go around these islands is bear in mind that uh, they are largely reliant on a tourist industry. 
There's no other major industry and infrastructure, largely speaking. And the islands overall do therefore seem relatively poor, and in my view, uh, relatively underdeveloped. You know, of course there's very glitzy hotels. Of course there's very uh, upmarket places to stay, but many of them are owned and operated by major chains. Um, they are, of course, a major employer of locals, but you just get a sense of actually there's all these people, all this money coming to these islands, but they're not necessarily benefiting as much as they could do. And I'm sure politicians and so on will, will wrestle that over the years um, as time moves forward. But I think it's important to understand some of the history, understand the nature of the islands and, and that kind of thing before you go. So what other observations do I have while cruising the Caribbean? Now, I've been to quite a few islands in the Caribbean, actually going to some, some more uh, on my next trip, but I've been to Barbados a few times, Grenada, St. Lucius, and Kitts, Antigua. Those are the main islands that I've visited. So let me talk a little bit about kind of general uh, themes and influences about what I think you should e expect when you visit the Caribbean. I mean, I think without a shadow of a doubt, all of the islands are magical. They're all beautiful. The beaches are glorious. The people, largely speaking, are very welcoming and friendly, which, if you think about it, is quite a feat because they're subjected to waves of tourists, especially during the cruise season, asking the same questions, doing the same things. But the people have an energy. They have a, 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 a vibrancy. And generally speaking, people are, are, are very, very um, friendly and very welcoming. One of the challenges, I think, when you visit so many islands in quick succession, because you're basically an island day, bang, 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 visiting at least five islands, is there is a danger that these, these islands kind of blend into each other as an overall Caribbean experience. And, and one of the things that strikes me is, is, and I think this is up to you as, you as you go, is try and think a little bit about the difference of the islands rather than just see the overall picture. Because... You know, the islands do have unique stories. They do have unique things to offer. And I do actually think the islands themselves have missed an opportunity to be more unique and to be more distinctive. I'm sure if you spent more time on each island, but you're only getting a day there on a cruise, you would, of course, get to understand, appreciate the distinctiveness. But the cruise experience doesn't really let you do that because you're in, you're out. Now, I have to admit, I'm an obsessive photo taker. I have hundreds of images from everywhere I go. And if I didn't have that, I think I would struggle to remember which island was which. Um, you know, so, so I just think it's important, you know, as you go to these places, think, maybe read a little bit. You know, most of the cruise lines will have uh, some fact sheets. And just understand the differences and try and think about things on each island that you found is very distinctive. As I said, I think the islands could do more. I think they could probably help to do much more you know whilst the broad history of the islands is broadly similar as i mentioned the english and french fighting over them largely the english dominating driving out the carib indian locals importing slaves driving the sugar industry that's pretty much the story of all the islands but i do think the islands should find a way to focus on the uniqueness focus on the culture and the story of the island I, I, this, now this probably is the marketing in me coming out my you know with my marketing background but but i just feel that there's a a sense of, you know, differentiation that the islands could do. Now, this isn't helped because the port areas are becoming more and more similar. Now, this is partly because of the hurricanes. You know, many facilities on many islands have been destroyed by hurricanes. They've been rebuilt. And, of course, they're being rebuilt to meet the needs of the current ship types, the passengers, and in the more harmonious way. And I'm sure it's much easier for the cruise industry and, 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 and whatnot to deal with ports that are more similar. But but you do get the sense of sameness. It's a bit like you know in the high streets. You know you start to get the same stores. So so you you you, you know it, it's all just a bit familiar in, in some way. So 
again, I think it's it's a pity. Now, what some of the, 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 the ports are trying to do is to bring more kind of local uh, tradespeople, you know, because actually what I found is many of the curio gift shops seem to be stocked of very similar merchandise, basically with the name changed. And a lot of the merchandise was made in China or in the UK for, for China items. So, so it seemed crazy in a way that, that there wasn't much more kind of local tradespeople, local craftspeople. And I noticed many of the islands are trying to do that much more because, of course, that's, that's where you want to go. You don't want to go and buy something from the UK. You can come to the UK and do that. Now, the other thing that I think is interesting, and it's particularly in the more southern part of the Caribbean, is if you visit the islands, there's a lot of familiarity linked to the UK, you know, cars driver on the left-hand side. Many of the street names and places are familiar names from UK history. You know, Piccadilly Circus, Nelson's Dockyard. As you get further north, the islands start to have a more American flavour. But their roots in, in the British colonialism is everywhere. It's in the architecture, it's in the language, it's in just, you know, it's so ingrained, the place. So there's a sense of, of Britishness about it in a lot of ways. As you get more and more... North, it was interesting because you felt people, and this is again my impression, is people seem to be a little less laid back, a little bit more assertive. And I don't know whether that's actually because these islands, as you get more more northwards, are <clears throat> becoming much more kind of used to the, the industry. And, 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 uh, and so they, you know, they're kind of adapting, if, if you like. Now, I've already mentioned before, if you go on a classic Caribbean cruise, which is basically an island a day, it can be quite a tiring experience because you're going to get up early. You know, ships get in around 7 a.m., 8 a.m. You're off on trips. You sit sell at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock at night. You have the dinner, the shows, other activities, and then you go to bed late and you're getting up early. So so one of the things that's interesting is, is it is, you know, it's, it's a very beautiful place. And I think one of the things you need to try and think about if you go into the Caribbean is, is pace yourself. You know, try and enjoy the beauty and the and the. The, the relaxation of the place. Don't overschedule. And I'll talk more in the tips a little bit about that. Spend some time to just wander and breathe in the, the, the beauty of the Caribbean. But it can be a fairly tiring trip. You know, bed late, up early, do tours, and, 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 and just try and breathe a bit. You know, whatever the observations I have, whatever the similarity is, though, the Caribbean and a cruise in this area is a stunning experience. It's a beautiful place. The beaches and the sea is glorious. The people are charming. They're welcoming. They're incredibly patient. You know, it's just a fabulous place to go cruising. So what I'm going to do, as I said, is that's what I think you should expect when cruising the Caribbean, some broad things to think about. In the next podcast, I'm going to give six tips around how to really cruise the Caribbean like an expert, based on the experience that I've had and, uh, and talking to other people. So until next time, here's to happy traveling and more importantly, happy cruising. You've been listening to Tips for Travelers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travelers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travelers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravelers.com, where travelers is spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.